This event was recorded live at the 2010 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Hi and welcome to the Edinburgh International Book Festival. This event is kindly sponsored by Bailey Gifford, the Edinburgh-based investment management firm. Bailey Gifford believe in the importance of investing in a child's future and are keen to support local and national cultural events and events that support the development of children. We're very proud to be sponsoring this event and we hope you enjoy it. I just want to say at the beginning that we do have Rachel who will be signing this event this morning. Today we're lucky enough to have Mari Hedewick, author and illustrator of the hugely popular Katie Morag series. First published in 1984 and still going strong. The observational detail of Mari's drawings bring the fictional island of Sturry vividly alive for the reader. A perfect example of this is the map at the beginning, which throws you straight into the world of the characters you encounter. In Katie Morag, Mari has created an instantly likeable character whose adventures we eagerly follow. And a personal favourite of mine is Katie Morag delivers the mail, because who wouldn't identify with the tricky situation that poor Katie finds herself in when she drops all those parcels in the pool beneath the Redburn Bridge and then has a total panic and doesn't know what to do next. Um, there will be time for questions towards the end of the session, so if you can all have a think, but um, wait until the end, that would be fantastic. So without further ado, can we um, invite Mari up on stage? Thank you. Well, there she is, up there, old Katie Morag. I mean, she is 30 years old, but she doesn't look it, does she? Not really. Uh, I have brought from the Isle of Stewie, she asked me to bring her Ted and he said could he sit up on the platform. So I hope he's going to behave. Katie Morag and the tiresome Ted. <laughs> I love doing that story because in that story Katie Morag is in a very bad mood and I know what it feels like to be in a bad mood. So sit there and behave, okay? What else is in here? Oh yes, remember? She does eventually find him and she finds all sorts of other things washed up on the shore and that's the rule of the sea, finders, keepers. And she finds a ball and then a bottle, a box and the shell. And she knows she can keep all these things but she decides to take them home and give them as presents to the family. And this is for the new baby, for her to hear the sea. And if you get a shell like that and hold it to your ear, you can hear the sea. And it's not a wild stormy sea, it's a beautiful summer still sea. She could keep it for herself, but she's gonna give it to the new baby. Now, there are so many Katie Morag stories. I'm going to show you up on the screen a couple of pictures from each of the stories and maybe tell a bit of the story and you'll have to find out. I think you all know the stories anyway, what the endings are. Now, I write about a little girl who lives on an island because I live on an island too. The Isle of Stewie is half real and half made up. That's the great thing about being an author. You can tell stories that are maybe based on people you know, but then you can invent other people 
to come into the story. And then the illustrations, because I do them as well, I can make up the place that Katie Morag lives in, which is half the island of Col, where I live, and half the makeup island of Katie Morag, which is the Isle of Strewey. When I was a wee girl in primary school, uh, I didn't know really what I was going to do when I grew up. There was one morning, and this is a long time ago, when schools were not lovely, exciting places like you all have nowadays. The, you wouldn't dare speak a word, and you sat in a seat and the seats were on steps that went up. The good children sat at the back of the class and the children that misbehaved were in the front row. I wonder where I sat. Was I in the front row or the back row? <laughs> I was in the back row. And one day going into school, the teacher said, Mary, go and sit in the corner. I thought, oh, what have I done wrong? And there was a table, and on the table there was a lovely Easter card. And the picture on the front was of two little chickens that had hatched out of one shell, obviously a double yoker. And they were yellow and fluffy, and it said Happy Easter, and there were blue ribbons and pink flowers. And she had laid out for me the best crayons. Nobody else ever used them and also a big pile of folded card, nothing on it. And she said, you copy that, Mary. And that's what I had to do all day. <laughs> and I enjoyed doing it, because I didn't have to do sums. I didn't like sums. And at the end of the day, she didn't give us the cards. She kept them for herself <laughs> and sent them to all her friends and family. So that, it was Miss Lala McPhee, is anybody from Gurukh here? <laughs> anyway, uh, that was the day I thought, hmm, I think maybe I'm good at drawing. I must have been given that job because I was maybe the best drawer in the class. So at secondary school, that's what I love best of all too, going to the big art room, trying out all sorts of materials. And then I went to Edinburgh College of Art. And for four years, I did nothing but drawing and painting. So obviously, my drawing and my painting got better and better. And then my first job as a grown-up was to do the illustrations for other authors. Because you can get wonderful storytellers. Roald Dahl, he wrote fantastic stories, but he couldn't draw or paint. So he had to get an illustrator to draw the pictures in his books. And of course, that was Quentin Blake. So I did that for years and years. And then one day, the editor, you see, we don't make the books. The editor belongs to a publishing firm. And they're the ones that decide if your stories and pictures are good enough to be put into a book. And the editor said, Mary, why don't you try writing your own stories? And I thought, OK, I'll give it a go. But I was told it had to be for children your age, so the pictures would be very important, and there wouldn't be a lot of text, especially for children learning to read. And people think, oh, there's only a few lines, few words on each page. That must be dead easy to do. It's not. It's quite tricky, because you're telling the story with a minimum of words, but you're also dropping in 
a more difficult word every so often. You have to write your sentences with a rhythm. This is all for the teachers in the audience. Do explain. It's not very easy to write stories. It takes a while when you've got a limited number of words. And that's hard work. You've got to do the story first. You can't do illustrations if you haven't got the story finished. And then, of course, I love doing the illustrations. A Katie Morg illustration will maybe take two or three days because there's so many details. And I did that deliberately because when my children were small, there weren't many picture storybooks. And the ones that there were were actually rather boring illustrations. And I thought, I'm going to do lots of little jokes in the illustrations. There are maybe nothing to do with the story, but then everybody can enjoy pointing at this and looking at that. And the grown-ups can have fun too, because there are some grown-up jokes in the Katie Moore books. And you children will have to grow up to understand them. Okay, we're going to go through the Katie Morg stories up on the screen. And I've got a piece of magic in my pocket. And here we go. Right. Um, can you see if I go, where will I go? Is that all right? Can you see over there? Great. Well, there she is. Let's see what the first story is going to be. Uh, do I point this at something? Uh, where a technician, where are you? To you? Point it wherever I like. At the screen. At the screen. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm pressing plus. Ah! We got it. There is Katie Morg's island. Now, if you know the island of Col, it's a very different shape to that. It's a very long fish shape. Now, as an illustrator, that's a very unsympathetic image on a page. So I deliberately created her island to have more of a round shape. And the little red dots you see, it's like a seagull above looking down on Katie Morg's island. Those are the houses. And they're all round about the village bay. That's where the boat comes in from the mainland. That's the only way you can get to Katie Morg's island. It's the only way you can leave it. And then you can walk from the village where the pier is around to the top of Village Bay where the bridge is that Katie Morg fell into the pool below and that dreadful day when she was trying to do a good turn. And then you go to the other side of the bay opposite where she lives and that's Granny Island's house, the last house on the other side of the bay. But there's lots of other things to explore on the Isle of Stewie. Uncle Matthew, he is a hermit. He lives away over that side, near Rachel, and he is very happy. He just likes living on his own. Katie Morag thought he was a bit strange and she was a bit frightened of him. But once a year, she goes with her dad, who is Uncle Matthew's brother, with a birthday card for him. And she finds out that he has a lovely little house. He's got a wooden generator for power. He's got the hens for his eggs. He's got a fantastic vegetable garden. He goes fishing off the rocks. And he is just very shy. And sometimes people who don't speak much or don't go places much, people think they're strange but it's maybe just because they're a bit shy. That's the only other person that lives way, way from the village. In the next picture, we'll see where Katie Morag lives. Up above the shop and post office, she's looking out her bedroom window, and down below her mum, who's the postmistress, is pumping up the post office bike 
She doesn't have a, a van like Postman Pat. And Katie Morg's dad is the shopkeeper. She's got a little brother, Liam, at the beginning of the stories. And there is the ferry boat, the red open little boat that goes out to meet the big boat in the bay. The big boat is too big to come into the shallow water and tie up at that little jetty. So sometimes when it's wild weather, the captain of the big boat says, no way folks, I'm not gonna call in at your island today and just sails past. And people have to be patient and hope the next day the storm will have subsided and all the visitors can come to Katie Morgan's Island and all the supplies for the shop and all the letters and parcels for Mrs. McCall to deliver round the island. In the village are five houses, all close together, side by side. It can be quite noisy in the village. If you live close beside other people, it can be noisy. But if you go way round to the other side of the bay, over the Redburn Bridge, the houses there are all set apart and they've got fields all round about them. So you can play your music as loud as you like. You can shout and yell as much as you like because there's no neighbour close by to complain wonder where you'd like to live. Granny Island lives in the last house of all, of course, and that is Katie Morg's best pal. Now that's the story of the day that she tried to help her mum. Her mum was a bit tired because of uh, Liam teething, and he had not given her a good night's sleep. So she was bad-tempered. And Katie Morg said, I'll deliver the mail to the houses on the other side of the bay because Mrs. McCall had delivered the mail in the village and Mrs. McCall said thank you very much that would be a great help she said there are five parcels they are all going over to the houses on the other side of the bay the one with the red label is for your granny so Katie Moore goes over and you can see the red label sticking out but she does something silly she thought she wanted to have a paddle it was a very hot hot sticky day and because she wears wellies all the time She's just lazy. She doesn't like doing buckles or laces. Wellies are wonderful. You just slip your feet into them straight away. And when you're cold for your tea, you just kick them off at the door. Well, of course, she took her wellies off, went for a paddle, and she slipped. Don't go paddling where you see stones covered with green slime on them, because you will skite, you will fall, and that's what happened. There, big close-up of her. The sheep are looking over the bridge, thinking, uh-oh, trouble ahead. Because when you make up a story, it's always good to have something going wrong. And then you have to help sort it all out. There she is. She's opened the bag and everything's soaking wet. And she cannot read the addresses because they've all got smudged. And she does a silly thing then. She just races to the houses, doesn't knock on the door and say, mm, I don't know which is yours. What did you order from the mainland? She just flings a wet, soggy parcel on each doorstep. But of course, the red label one, she knows is for granny, and that gets safely there. But then, of course, Katie Moore's got to sort the whole muddle out. The sheep are always looking on, on the, in the Katie Moore books because they think human beings do very strange things. Now this is the second one, and that's about the other grandmother. Granny Island, of course, wears uh, dungarees and welly boots too, and she's got a wee croft, a farm, and she does not like the other grandmother because she's very different. 
She's stepping out of the big boat into the little boat. And of course, she's got high-heeled shoes on. You never wear high-heeled shoes in a boat. And she's got her best tweed bobble turquoise coat on with fur collar. And she's got her little chiffon scarf. Well, she's really my mother. <laughs> There she is, coming to the Isle of Stray, and Katie Morgan loves it when she comes, but so does somebody else. Neely Bake, who's helping Grandma Mainland down, he fancies Grandma Mainland, and calls her a smart wee Bobby Dazzler. There's Granny Island. The story is about show day, and of course, Alakina, you'll see her better in the next uh, picture. The night before show day, Granny Island has, of course, you know, completely brushed and cleaned Alakina up and polished her horns and polished her, you know, um, claws. I mean, not her claws, uh, <laughs> her hoofs, hooves. And uh, Alakina's got in the boggy loch. And Granny Island is furious. And she claws her out with her big crook and says, that's it, can't go to the show. Alakina had won the silver cup for the best you, best fleece, for seven years. Granny Allen was very angry, but Katie Morag uh, remembered that Grandma Mainland, who sleeps in her bedroom, had brought with her all sorts of things to make Grandma Mainland's grey hair look beautifully blue and silvery white. <laughs> There's Katie Morag in the story about Ted. Ted, don't get upset hearing this because this is where she is jealous of the new baby. Liam has grown up and the new baby turns up and he's not the baby anymore. And everybody sends presents for the new baby and greetings cards to Mr. and Mrs. McCall, but no presents or cards for Katie Morgan. So she takes her bad mood out on her favorite pal of all and she kicks him into the sea. And Liam's there watching. She's done a dreadful thing to him too. She's walked past him and she gave him a nip and nobody saw who did it. And he starts screaming and bawling and he gets the row for waking the new baby up. Horrible little girl she was in this story. There she is, a close up. Look at that face. I enjoy drawing that face. Everybody's looking on and thinking, well, what are we gonna do about this? But Granny Allen says, look, just, just ignore her. She'll get out of her bad mood in time. Send her over to my wee house for a wee holiday if she really doesn't pull her socks up and behave at home. And that is what happens. Katie Morg is sent over to Granny Islands. And Granny Allen had already taken the new baby's dirty clothes over in the back of her tractor to help out Mrs. McCall. So when Katie Morg went to stay at her granny's, because she was still feeling miserable, she didn't notice walking up towards Granny Islands, a wave coming in and the Ted was swept in to the little bay below Granny Islands' house and a big dod, a stinky seaweed, landed on top of him and nobody knew he was there. Katie Morg was stormbound in her granny's house for two days because of the weather, but then, on the third day, because all storms come to an end, but some people keep their bad moods going. Katie Moore decided she wanted to get out of the bad mood and she remembered what she does to get out of a bad mood. Do something nice for somebody else. 
She said, Granny, there'll be lots of driftwood washed up on the shore after the storm. I'm going to go down and put a, put a big pile up because you need all that wood for your fire. Yes, said Granny Island, that's a great help, Katie Moore. Put a big pile up, I'll just finish ironing the baby clothes for your mum. And that's what Katie Moore did. And as she finished putting up the pile of wood, she walked along the shore and she found the ball and the bottle and the box and the shell. But she didn't see the Ted straight away. And out of the corner of her eye, under stinky seaweed, she did see a paw. And she pulled out the remains of Ted because his tummy had been ripped open by the storm over the jaggy rocks and one eye ripped out. He was a horrible, horrible sight, but she thought he was wonderful. And she took him up to Granny's and washed and cleaned him. But then she had to actually think about him being cuddly in bed at night. He had no stuffing left. And she saw some sheep's wool in a basket beside Granny Island's stove and she stuffed it into his tummy and then she stitched it up. But Katie Morg's no good at sewing, so the stitches all burst. Mm, and then she saw in the laundry basket one of the new baby's baby grow suits. And she didn't ask, she sneaked it out and put it on the Ted. There she is. She's got all the presents to take home, but I don't know if she has seen in the rashes on the, the irises on the shore, yet yeah, there he is. He's there. Did she find him? Yes, because there he is. Now this is the one about the big boy cousins. They are wild. They come from the mainland, they live in Edinburgh. <laughs> and when they come, they don't know how to behave in the country. They leave gates open, they've got a big cassette player, they play their music loud, even although they're over at Granny Islands, because that's where they're allowed to pitch their tent. No other islanders will have them near them, because they're so mischievous. You don't behave like that in a boat, standing on the gunwale. There's Hector, he's the oldest big boy cousin. He's got a black cross earring and he has leather wristbands and he wears Doc Martens. And there are the other cousins. Now look, leaning over trying to catch one of the eider ducks. He'll fall in in a minute. The ferryman's very annoyed. That one is actually playing a lasso game with the rope. You'd never play with ropes and boats. But all the islanders, you know, when they see them coming, they all just go, they groan. But Granny Island says, I've got wee jobs for them to do. There'll be a help for me. Well, Granny Island is uh, asking them when they arrive and put their tent up to dig up some tatties for her, to collect the peats from the peat moor and collect more driftwood. And when they wake up, the first morning after they've had their uh, tent, the tent of course was put up the previous evening, Granny Island's calling on them for these chores to be done and she doesn't hear any reply because they've all sneaked down to the shore and they want to get to the village because it's boring at Granny Island's, nothing happening. And Katie Moore goes with them. She is so excited. She's being very naughty. And they all say, but it's an awful long way to walk all the way around to the village. And she sees Granny Island's little boat moored in the bay 
and she says, I know a quick way to get to the village. So over they go, and they play a game called Chickenelli along the back doors of the village houses. You knock and you run, you don't wait for anybody to open the door. But as they went from one, row, one house at one end of the road to the other, they knocked over all sorts of things. They broke the washing line, and the washing went into the dung heap. They kicked over a tin of paint. That went all over Mrs. Baxter's back door mat, and that's them at the end. And they didn't hear, because Granny Ellen had seen her little boat go across the bay, and she raced around in her tractor, and she's telling them off. She was colossal with fury. And she said, you are going to have to walk back. And she put the boat on the back of the trailer of her tractor and took it home. Well, the end of that story was quite good, of course. There's always a good ending you'll just have to work out what it was. This one is the new pier. Now that's because a lot of people were saying to me, oh these lovely romantic stories about the Hebrides, no electricity, little ferry boats going out to meet big boats, and I realized that the islands are not like that at all. When I first went to call 1957, that was what it was like. And I thought, I've got to write a story telling about the changes and modernizing the Isle of Strewey. So that was the reason for Katie Morg and the new pier. And the issue in that story is, of course, the ferryman, he's going to lose his job. That little red ferry boat will not be needed anymore because the big boat can tie up at the pier, which is in the deep water. And the islanders are all excited because they're going to make lots of money from the tourists. And there's going to be a craft shop and the uh, shop and post office. The McCalls are putting on an extension, a bistro, a restaurant. And it's a kind of wee joke, really, for myself, this book. But um, it, I had to upgrade up, I don't know, bring Katie Morg up to date a bit. The workmen's porter cabins, the drama in this story is that they all get swept into the sea. That's where the workmen live and all of the porter cabins sink, big storm, and uh, Granny Island and the ferryman, they save one cabin, they get the ferry boat out, and they put a rope around it and tow it to the village. But it's not habitable, and the uh, workmen all end up staying in the islanders' homes, which is much, much better. There they are, the big close-up. You can see Katie Morg on the pier, She's actually given the ferry boat that blue rope. She found it washed up on the shore. And she knew finders keepers, but she wasn't going to keep it, make a swing, nope. She was going to give it to the ferry boat because she felt sorry for the ferryman losing his job. But that was the rope that saved the day because the one that they were using to begin with was too thin, the big blue rope. And Katie Morgan's on the jetty shouting, use my rope. So her rope saved the day. Now this is the one called uh, The Wedding. There's Neely Bake. Eventually, Grandma Mainland has agreed to marry him. So he's writing all the invitations out. And you see Katie Morag and her little brother at the window looking in. They're all excited, but Granny Island isn't. She's not. And Katie Morgan and Liam wonder, why is it Granny Island's in such a bad mood? She should be happy. So Katie Morg decides to write Grandma uh, Mainland a letter. And this is how it goes. Dear Grandma, 
We are looking forward to your wedding. Her spelling's not too good yet. And a little picture of me and Liam. Granny Island is very cross. Can you find her a granddad too, please? Lots of love and kisses, Katie Morg. P.S. Liam hopes that you and Neely have lots of babies. <laughs> this is the story of the wedding. And, uh, sorry, that was the story of the wedding. This is the story of the concert. Uh, Katie Morg loves, you know, singing and she loves showing off a bit. And she practiced and practiced for this concert. And her two uncles, Sven and Sean are world famous musicians. One of them plays the cello and one has a beautiful baritone voice. There they are, all ready to go on stage. And Grandma Mainland has given Katie Morg the prettiest dress ever. But look, she still has to wear her wellies. <laughs> she's on stage and the concert hasn't started yet and she's peeking through to see who's in the audience. And there's Grandma Mainland in the front row, and beside Grandma Mainland is Katie Morg's best friend on the island called Agnes. And Agnes has got on the exact same dress. She is not happy. Granny Island has even taken off her dungarees for the concert. But she's still got her wellies on. And of course, Katie Morg just rushes off the stage in tears. I am not going to do the concert. And meanwhile, suddenly, the uncle that's a wonderful baritone, he's lost his voice. He's lost his voice. He can't sing, and he's upset too. It's all chaos behind the stage. And eventually, Granny Allen sorts it all out, and she suggests that Katie Moore will not sing her song. She'll sing Uncle Sven's song for him. And so the whole thing gets resolved. There's a little drama in that story too, because Liam goes missing. But I have to see it in the book. I can't tell it all right now, because there's more and more of the time, because I want to hear your questions. Right, now this is a story uh, called The Riddles. Katie Morgan, The Riddles. And it's the first school story I've ever done, because I actually didn't like school very much. I just liked doing art at school. And so a lot of the stories are about things that I feel and things that happen to me. And that story starts with Katie Morg saying, I hate school. And this particular day, she hates it more than ever because the older children are all making a wonderful oil rig out of scrap material from a scrap bin. And uh, in Katie Morg's school and the school on the island of Caw, all the children are in the one big room. So you've got primary one to primary seven, all in the one room. And sometimes the older children help the wee ones. And that day, Katie Morg was told to go and help the little ones and teach them how to thread beads. She is not happy because she wanted to be with the older children making the oil rig, but she had to do as she was told. And she behaved so badly in the playground in the morning, she was fighting everybody. And of course, they were shouting back at her. And there was a right ruckus went on in the playground. And the teacher came out and he said, calm down, everybody. What behavior? This is dreadful. And the older children, especially the big boy cousins, it was Katie Morag started it. So she got another telling off. And it was a Friday afternoon that 
the end of the week, the teacher said, right, extra homework. And he gave them a set of riddles. And the answers had to be in school by Monday morning. Well, all the other children were furious with Katie Morg because it was her fault, just because she'd been in a bad mood. And she said, all right then, I'll, I'll do the homework. And you'll see her in the next picture. Uh, well, you see the uh, way to the left there, walking off with Liam going home, very miserable. And of course, the rest of the kids are going, yippee, no homework this weekend. The riddles are up there in the book, um, but she has to go around people. And that was my way of bringing in other characters because she goes to her granny first, because she always helps. And granny says, well, you know, talking to people is often a way to find an answer to something. So that's what she does. She goes around the people on the island and tells them each a riddle. And that character on the island will help her answer the riddle and of course back to school on Monday and everything okay. This is the dancing class. I have uh, granddaughters up near Inverness and occasionally when I'm there I take them to their ballet lessons and uh, they do ballet and then they do tap and I was sitting watching them practicing and when they were doing the ballet lessons with their little pink tights and their pink pumps and their pink frou-frou skirt, I suddenly had the idea, I wonder would Katie Morag like to go to dancing classes? And I knew the answer, no. <laughs> Grandma Mainland has uh, bought the leotard and all the gear for the dancing lessons, but, but she's also sewing a fantastic frilly pink skirt. She's thrilled that Katie Morag will at last maybe become a little proper girl and stop wearing those dreadful wellies and the skirt, it's a tartan skirt, it's not a kilt, and that jumper, she wears them all the time. She won't change except for the concert, of course. And Grandma Mainland thinks, I will see her at the dance performance on show day and she'll look so pretty. Katie Morag uh, finds all sorts of ways of avoiding going to the ballet lessons because they're first in the village hall. And then after 11 o'clock, it is the tap dancing. And one day she turns up after the ballet lessons have all finished. I mean, Grandma Mainland doesn't know that she hasn't been attending. And she sees the big boy cousins getting their tap shoes on and doing their routine for the dance performance. And she thought, I'm going to have a try. And of course, she's got welly boots on. And Jamie's pointing and saying, you'll never be able to do tap dancing. You've got to have the metal bits on the soles of your dance shoes. Katie Moore knew she couldn't possibly ask for tap shoes because that is what the dancing teacher said. Obviously, Katie Moore, you don't like the idea of ballet lessons, but I'm sure Grandma Mainland, she will get you some tap shoes. But Katie Moore knew she couldn't possibly ask because Grandma Mainland didn't even know that she had not been attending the ballet lessons. So she was really sad and upset. And when she gets upset, she goes to Granny Islands and she had a moan. And she said, if only my wellies had bits of metal on them. And Granny Islands said, wait a minute. And she went into her cupboard and brought out an old pair of tackety boots and she levered out the tacks from her boots and hammered them onto the soles of Katie Morag's boots. 
So Katie Morg, of course, was first at the, no, that's her when she hasn't got them on yet. And that's when the, the teacher's suggesting that she gets uh, proper uh, tap dancing shoes from uh, Grandma Mainland. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I'm, I can't show you more of that because it's not there. Um, Katie Morg does uh, go to the dance performance, but only to do the tap dance routine with the big boy cousins. But she actually did a solo turn all on her own in the front of the stage. Well, Grandma Mainland was in the audience and was appalled. There was Katie Morag on the stage and those dreadful wellies, the old skirt, the old jumper. But then Grandma Mainland had to admit that Katie Morag was a very smart little dancer. Afterwards, Katie Morg watched the ballet performers, all the other ones that had chosen to do ballet, and they did a, an act from Aladdin. And they were all dressed up in chiffon scarves and their little pumpy shoes. And Faye was the genie coming out the bottle, and she was doing great high kicks. And Katie Morg was very impressed at them, and she thought they were pretty good. After the concert was all over, back home in the shop and post office up above, everybody was congratulating Katie Morg. On the kitchen table, there was a big box and it said, brand new black wellies, size one. Katie Morg hadn't seen them yet. And sitting behind Grandma Mainland on the couch, there was a box that said, brand new tap dancing shoes, size one. Katie Morg hasn't seen those yet. Katie Morgan is apologizing to Grandma Mainland and saying, I'm sorry, Grandma Mainland, I didn't really go to the ballet lessons. But next year, I'm going to do both. I'm going to do the ballet lessons and the tap dancing lessons. And she said to her uh, granny, don't worry about my ballet pumps. I know they won't be big enough for next year, but they will make nice, cozy liners for my welly boots this winter. And in the drawing, you don't read it in the book, you'll see attack has come out of Katie Morg's welly boots, her tap dancing welly boots. And of course, the mum and dad have got a new pair of wellies for her. So she's gonna have the new wellies for the winter. She's got the tap dancing shoes to practice before the dance lessons next year. And at the end of all the Katie Morg stories, why has that come back? Um, you did it, did you? <laughs> at the end of all the Katie Moore stories, you see the village at night time and the moon's coming up and there's Katie Moore at her bedroom window. Granny Ellen's set off and she's got to go the whole long way round to her house on the other side of the bay. And there you see the close-up of the village houses. Everybody's in, it's late at night. The lights are on, Mrs. Bay views and the McMaster's farm and the holiday house. There's people on holiday. And then that's the lady artist's house. And the last one, of course, is Granny Island's. There's no light on in Granny Island's house because Granny Island doesn't waste her lights if she's not in. So Katie Morag will watch the headlight of the tractor go all the way around and then she'll see the light go on in her granny's house and she'll know that her granny is home safe. Thank you, thanks Rachel. <laughs> We've got time for some questions. Um, now, if somebody asks a question that you were dying to ask, don't ask it again. 
because then it gives lots of people a chance. So it's just luck. Uh, so let's have a question. You see, I'm the only person in the world that can tell you about Katie Morag. Nobody else can. So this is your one chance. Yes, what's your question? Oh, my favourite story is Tarsum Ted. And I mean, I wonder if that's true. Did she fill his tummy up with sheep's She did. Sheep's wool. And look, his tummy is all torn. The stitching didn't work, but it doesn't matter. She just stuffed his tummy full of sheep's wool. And then, you know, she nicked the baby's baby grow suit. It was a new one, first worn, first washed. Mrs. McCall almost said, it's lovely that you've got your Ted back, Katie Morag, but take that baby grow suit. I need it for the new baby. You can have an old one. But Mrs. McCall didn't say a word because if she had asked for it off the teddy bear, maybe Katie Morag would have gone in a bad mood again. So he's allowed to have the baby grow suit forever. And when the big boy cousins come to stay, because remember his eye was ripped out, they say, for goodness sake, Katie Morag, get a button for his eye. Will we throw him in the sea again? No, she says. Because when she goes to bed, she cuddles his fat tummy and she puts a finger in his eye and falls fast asleep. <laughs> right, who's next? Oh gosh, um, let's all do side side. Right, over there, please. Who's your favourite character? Granny Island. I like Granny Island, I do really. But I'm a bit of Grandma Mainland as well. When I go to the mainland, I sort of put on makeup. But if you see me at home, I've got my welly boots on all the time. Right, is, if we got a microphone that side. Okay, there we go. Who is the helicopter pilot in the marriage? It's very confusing. Yeah, it's meant, to be. it's meant to be confusing. You've got to work it out. Well, okay. <laughs> Remember the little Previous girl? husband? Katie Morag, she um, writes that letter. Please bring... Uh, another, you know, a granddad, because they've been told they're going to have another. They're go well, they're going to have their a granddad. There is no granddad for Katie Morag on the island, so she writes that letter. But you see, if you've got the book that has got the family tree, you will see Granddad Island, and he is a helicopter pilot, and he was was married to uh, Granny Island. So obviously he has not been around for quite a while. So for this special wedding, uh, Grandma Mainland gets in touch with him and he comes in in the helicopter. So that's who he is. Uh, right, uh, we've had one from there. Can we have somebody, this, uh, no, nobody's got a hand up, okay. You've got hands up there. Go on. Oh. Have you got the other things that are in the bag, all the, the other props. Other props? No. no. All the other um, props in the bag. No, I haven't, I'm sorry. It was just, it's a long way to travel from the Isla Call, and I really just decided I'd take the two lightest things, the Ted and the Shell. So I'm sorry. Right, there's somebody there, red top. D does? On you go, on you go, somebody will help you. Can somebody help? Sorry, she's forgotten. 
Oh, what a shame. Now, you try again another time. What's the new baby's name? The new baby, there's Katie Morag, there's Liam, and then Flora Ann is uh, the new baby. Okay, we'll go. <laughs> ah, this is horrible, I hate it. Um, no, it's lovely, lovely hearing your questions, but it's choosing you and the blue. There you go. I mean, grown-ups can ask questions too. How many books have you written? Yes, now, I, I never, I haven't, one, two, three, four. There are 10 books that are a single story, and then there are about four books that have got three stories in them and puzzles and, uh, you know, poems. So I think, I don't know, about 16, 17. It's terrible, I've never sat down and worked it out, but quite a lot, quite a lot. Okay. There's somebody with red hair, just like Katie Morag. What's the Teddy's name? He's just called Ted. <laughs> and I'll let you into a big secret, because I told you a lot of the stories are to do with things that have happened to me as a child or to my children, and then now my grandchildren, the, the dancing class story. Well, I have to tell you, I threw my teddy bear into the sea as a grown-up lady <laughs> in a very bad mood. And he was washed up six months later, not far away from where I did it, and I felt so bad. Took him home, and he was very old-fashioned. It had been given to my mother before I was even born. So it had little rivets, you know, hinges, and it was full of straw, and it was very hard and I had cut Ollie's fur off when I was a wee girl, but I'd always kept him, and I always thought my children would like him, but they, of course, uh, were born into the time when all toys had wonderful soft, you know, and they hated him. Uh, and there was just a bit of a, it was a sad time on the island, and I was uh, not wanting to leave the island, which we decided to do. And so I kicked him into the sea. Uh, and he was washed up, as I told you, six months later. And he sat on top of the stove and I tried to get him dried out, but if any material has been in the sea, it, it keeps the damp, it draws the damp. So the house was being sold, big clean out. And this is environmentally dreadful, but that's what you did in those days. You took all your rubbish over to the cliffs and there was a great cleft in the cliffs. You didn't even see the sea down below, just heard it slurping. It was a big hole in the bottom of the cliffs and that's where all the things that couldn't be recycled, like the old fencing wire or tin cans or whatever, there were no recycling centres in those days. Um, and of course he went over on the top of the trailer load of rubbish and we all had a great laugh and way bye Ted. Well, two years later we were back on the island on holiday, on the other side completely, and who was washed up on the high tide line? <laughs> so that's the real story. Uh, and it was great fun to be able to tell it and make Katie Morag be the one that was in the bad mood. So there you go, not many people know that. <laughs> okay, who's away at the back there? You haven't had a chance yet. Let's do one, two, three. There's three of you in a row at the very back. If you can get over. Have you got your hands? Are you all going to ask the same question or take turns? One, two, three. Why is Katie Morag called Katie Morag? 
Katie Morag is called Katie Morag because when I was given that chance 30 years ago, I said to my uh, friend on the island who was called Katie, I'm going to call the wee character Katie. And she'll have red hair because I always wanted to have red hair as a child. I didn't, I had fair hair. And I decided that was it. She's going to be called Katie. She would have red hair, always wear welly boots because I love wearing welly boots, all of that. And Morag, Katie's mother, was in the kitchen. And she heard this. She said, I think Morag's a much better name for that character. <laughs> so I thought there's going to be a family row. And that's how she got the two names, Katie Morag. Did you, did, beside you, did you have another? There was somebody, there were three all together in a row there. Maybe it was the same question. Did you think about making a film of Katie Morag? Can we have that again? You've got a lovely soft voice. Could you ask the question again? Did you um, think of a film? Um, oh, did I think of a film for Katie Morag? Well, for six years, um, there has been an option. That's what happens. You know, film companies take an option out with the publisher. Publisher's the one in charge. And I have kept stalling and stalling uh, it's, I'm quite lucky because of the economic situation. It's just so expensive. And I'm only interested if it's a dramatization. I don't want Katie Morg to become animated and become a cartoon character. Um, and I don't want pencil cases. I don't, she is a real character. And I'll be very happy if she never, ever uh, goes into the film world. But then publishers can be quite powerful people, but um, fingers crossed, she'll just stay in books. That's the only place I want her to stay. One more question. Oh gosh, oh gosh. Who's, is that a grown-up there? Okay, grown-up. Hang on, hang on a wee minute. When you were um, illustrating for other authors, does your illustration style change or have you always sort of no, kept the same? No, I'm always the same and it's just it's the, the West Highlands um, and I do, I think maybe some of you have seen the diaries, there is a collection of 40 years of West Highland and Islands, you know, illustration. It's just something that I can do naturally. I cannot do any other kind of illustration. I once was offered a job by an Australian publisher about children living in an urban situation in Sydney. And I mean, I just I went to the library and got all the reference books out about, you know, Australian urban architecture. And I mean, it just didn't work. It was awful. It's just that that's the part of the world I love so much. And that's all I will do. Thank you. Um, left for me to say is to thank Murray very much for a brilliant hour and um, to remind everyone that she will be signing books in the main tent which is just literally over the way and also just to ask you if you let us leave first to get Murray set out before you all stampede and also to thank you very much for coming and hope you've had a great hour thank you many more Edinburgh International Book Festival event recordings are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk along with a selection of videos